0: Good afternoon, to everyone. I'm really happy you're joining us this afternoon on Bible Quest TV, the Wednesday edition. Uh, with us today, we have Jeff Smelser from Exxon, Pennsylvania. How are you doing, Jeff? Good afternoon, Chase. I'm doing fine. Good. And we also have joining us this afternoon, Drew DeGrotto, normally on the Tuesday edition, but in Joe's absence, he's joining us today. How are you Hi doing? guys.
1: Good to be here. Thank you for inviting me to be here. I, I don't think I will fill Joe's shoes, but uh, I'll be here.
0: Oh, sure you can. You'll do a great job. We appreciate you filling in in his absence.
2: Our viewers may not know this, but Drew is often behind the scenes on Wednesday afternoons when we do this webcast. He's handling the technological issues.
0: Yeah, so I appreciate him being willing to do that. Uh, I guess it's been a while now. We haven't had Noah Andrews, um, so I think we've been getting along just okay.
2: Well, you know, let me say this. Drew is kind of the, the, the brains behind this idea and all of the marketing of it and all of the the uh well he he came up with this idea originally and um he's done a good job of making it a well making it something that we have to work very hard to turn into a disaster <laughs> <laughs> i
1: appreciate that well before you get started are you going to mention about the people how they contact you and talk on the program
2: yeah chase what, what was that now?
0: I'm sorry. Um, if one of you might want to take us off of speaker, view, yeah, or put job, on speaker view. or something. No, it's no big deal. What was the question? I apologize.
1: Yeah, I was, I was saying you're going to talk about or mention to the audience how they can participate. Um, in yeah, the- sure.
0: So um, if you're on Facebook, uh, feel free to leave some comments. I've got the Facebook chat on so I can see the comments you make. Um, or if you're on the Zoom app or at the Zoom website, BibleQuest.tv. You can make comments there as well, and we can get those questions answered for you this afternoon. All right, guys. Well, uh, as we get started, I have a story I want to tell everyone this afternoon, um, and it's actually going to lead us into our webcast today. It's been on my mind. Uh, Last night, uh, me and another evangelist in the area have a Tuesday night Bible study on meetup.com in a local Panera Bread. And I get there a little early, and there was a gentleman that I had a conversation with for a brief moment, and he asked me if I was from around here, and I said, well, I'm from Harrisburg, but I'm originally from Kentucky. And he said, oh, well, that, that explains why you're so nice. And he said, well, have you been down there to the Ark Encounter? And I said, uh, no, I haven't yet, um, but I've heard it's really immaculate. And he goes, well, hang on, are you a Christian? And I said, yes, I am a Christian. And he said, are you Jehovah's Witness? I said, no, I'm not a Jehovah's Witness. He said, are you a Mormon? He's like, no, I'm I'm not a Mormon. I'm just a Christian. He went, oh, well, well, praise God. That's great. He was real friendly to me. And I told him that we were about to have a Bible study, and he said he was going to join us if if, uh, he got a chance. Well, then he got a phone call, and I go, and I get my my tea, and I go and sit down over at my table. And uh, the other evangelist that normally does this with me, he comes in. And uh, this gentleman that I had this conversation with gets off the phone, and he comes and he sits down to join us at the Bible study. And so I introduce him to my friend, and, and we're having a conversation. He's telling us where he's from, being really friendly. And he asks the brother that was with me the same question. Are are you Mormon? Or are you Jehovah's Witness? And my friend said, no, I'm, I'm just a Christian. He said, do you all go to church anywhere? And I said, well, I go to church in Harrisburg. He goes to church in Marietta. he goes, but you all are like non-denominational. And we're like, yeah. He said, oh, okay. So like Church of Christ? And we were like, yeah. He said, oh, well, that's cool. And then he looked at us, and he said, so you have to be baptized to be saved. And me and my friend both said, well, yes, that's what the Bible says. And he gets up from the seat, and he says, okay, bye. And he walks out of the restaurant. And I asked him, would you like to please sit down and talk about this? And he just waved his hand at me, and he left. So he went from being super friendly and nice and, and, and nice to me and, and my friend, and then as soon as he heard <laughs> that we
2: believed you had to be baptized to be saved, he gets up and walks away. <clears throat> he wasn't having that. No, he did just, not like that. Just like he wasn't. Uh, I'm Sorry, did you tell the part about where he said, he asked if you were Jehovah's Witnesses or if you were Mormons? Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's not having any of them, and he's not having anybody who believes that baptism is for the remission of sins. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, and so that kind of sparked my, my mind in thinking, not only in our situation, but in everyone's situation, if you're a Bible believer, should that be a way you respond to someone? And should that be a way you communicate to someone your convictions? is not even being willing to talk about it. And if you logged on and saw the uh, title for our webcast today, we talked about, do you understand and have a willingness to understand the will of God more accurately? And that actually comes from Acts chapter 18. Um, hmm. So I figured we'd just start there this afternoon since that's what we titled the webcast. Um, and uh, But before I, I move forward, do you all have any questions or, or uh, comments there? No. No. <laughs>
2: Go ahead, Drew.
1: I thought you were a nice guy. Oh, that's why you're so nice. You're from Kentucky. But I guess that didn't matter anymore at that point. You're no longer a nice guy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It it was all out the window from there, and he was done with me once he found out what I believed. Uh, Jeff, were you going to say something?
2: Uh, You know, we're going to talk about several things this afternoon. And, of course, we want to remind our viewers you may have comments or questions or experiences um, you may even be someone who believes that baptism is not for the remission of sins, and that somebody who thinks that way is some kind of heretic. Um, the question we're really asking is: Are we willing to look at what the Bible says and take it for what it's worth? Um, and and I'm you know I'm sensitive to to this behavior uh, as something I see amongst evangelicals. By evangelicals, I'm talking about conservative. Protestants. Uh, typically, they're going to be in your Baptist churches. Not all Baptists are going to be like this, but many of them tend to be. Presbyterians, um, some other denominations, and they, they have this idea that they've got the truth. Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, well, they're cults. That's the way they would describe them. I believe Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses are uh, people who style themselves Jehovah's Witnesses are, are certainly wrong and um, not following the Word of God. But they say, "Well, those people are heretics. We've got the truth. And if you believe in baptism as being for the remission of sins, then you believe in work salvation, and that makes you a heretic." Uh, I'm going to come back to it in a few minutes. But there was a guy who wrote a book. Uh, I've mentioned it, I think, on this webcast before. I'm not sure how you say his name. David Berceau, I think, is how you say it. B e r c o t. Will the real heretics please stand up? He's an evangelical. But in his book, his point is, we evangelicals—now, I'm putting this in his mouth because he's an evangelical—we uh, we like to say we have the orthodoxy, we have the truth, and everybody else is a heretic. And he goes back and he shows the heresy that is modern-day uh, conservative Protestantism, evangelicalism particularly. And he specifically talks about it in connection with baptism. But I'm sure we'll get to that. Let's let's go to the text you wanted to introduce to us, Chase. Yeah, sure. Okay.
0: So in Acts the 18th chapter, Paul is uh is gonna be in um in approaching uh I guess I guess he's getting into Ephesus at this point, uh, but we're going to be looking at his third missionary journey. And we're introduced to a man named Apollos. He was a Jew. Verse 24 says, an eloquent man, he comes to Ephesus. And the Bible says that this man was mighty in the scriptures. And he had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he was fervent in the spirit, and he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. And he was out speaking boldly in the synagogue. Well, when Priscilla and Aquila, a couple of New Testament characters we were introduced to earlier in the book of Acts, when they hear him teaching the baptism of John rather than the baptism of uh, repentance and and forgiveness of sins and the Holy Spirit, then they take him aside. And in verse 26, it says they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And then we go on to see in verse 28 that this same man, Apollos, he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating by the Scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Apollos accepted the instruction that uh, Priscilla and Aquila had brought to him and showed him where he was wrong, and proceeded to teach and preach all the more.
2: And, and you might, we might notice here, Apollos is not uh, somebody ignorant of the Scriptures. He's been described as mighty in the Scriptures. Uh, he is not somebody coming from paganism. He's a Jew. And so if you think about the situation in the first century, you have the Jews who had the oracles of God, the word of God, for centuries. This man is mighty in the scriptures. He could have had the attitude, nobody can tell me anything. I already have it. But that wasn't his attitude. He was willing to listen when he was shown something that he did not yet understand. Sure. Drew, go ahead.
1: Yeah, the uh, that verse says that, as you were pointing out, that he was um, instructed in the way of the Lord, fervent in the Spirit, spoke accurately. But then my verse, the English Standard Version says, though he knew only the baptism of John. Now, if this man was a modern-day evangelical, as you were describing them, we would have seen him then consider Priscilla and Aquila as a heretic? Yep. Mm-hmm. Because they were saying, you know, you got it all right, but you're, you're missing this one fact of, of the gospel, and this is relating to this immersion, this baptism. And here,
2: here's the thing. This guy, was, this guy was willing to listen to revealed truth. Modern-day evangelicals, their faith is not rooted in revealed truth. Their faith is rooted in, in creeds, doctrines that have been handed down from the Reformation movement. Um, some of them are very much Calvinist and they will just say, I'm a Calvinist. And they believe the five points of Calvinism that the followers of John Calvin taught. That's their standard. They're not going back to the word of God. They're going to that creed and then everything in the Bible, they're going to try to interpret through the lens of Calvinism. This man, Apollos, he was willing to listen to revealed truth.
1: And so they, on the one hand, evangelicals may not want to reason from the scriptures, whereas this man, Apollos, he was willing to reason from
2: the scriptures. Yeah. Now, evangelicals are very skilled at having their passages of scripture to which they turn. Um, they're very skilled at finding a passage that uh, says you're saved by faith. You know, They're very quick to be able to quote John 3.16, which says God so loved the world that uh, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him would have eternal, uh, would not perish but have eternal life. You know, and they can quote many more passages to the effect that you need to believe. Now what they do is then they say, and that's all. You can't have to do anything else. You can't have to be baptized um, because really the reason is, is because their doctrine says you can't have to do anything else. And, and really, if we understand that passage, you don't have to do anything else. It's just that faith is not just a simple mental awareness that Jesus is the Son of God. It is putting your trust in what the Lord says, and so that when the Lord says uh, to his apostles, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then when one of his apostles preaches, repent and be baptized for the remission or forgiveness of your sins, then faith trusts what jesus says and what he says to his apostles and obeys and so it's really not something else but that's the way evangelicals look look at it
1: well jeff how would they then approach this very scripture here and others and i'm sure we're going to get into that chase as you bring that up how would they then approach those scriptures that kind of indicate something else that what they're accepting
2: Well, in Acts 18, the way they would approach that is they would say, well, see, Apollos was uh, a Jew and he was a legalist and he needed to learn about the grace of God, which is in Jesus Christ, which is true. But what what they don't understand is that Apollos had an attitude toward the word of God that allowed him to learn what he didn't know. And modern day evangelicals don't have that same attitude toward the word of God.
1: Well, by the way, that terminology you just expressed is not in the scripture there. They just well, we, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Mm-hmm. That's the and, way of God anyway. So I don't want to get off track here, but well, I'm just curious.
0: And and the other thing I really wanted to hit on from this story is and and, and what happened to me last night. This man would have been in a position ha, ha, if I'm if I'm wrong, he is in a position to teach me the way of God more accurately. Right. And you see, Priscilla and Aquila. If, if they had approached Apollos and been like, oh, well, you, you teach the baptism of John and then just left, they they are going to miss out on an opportunity. And that's what, what kind of frustrated me about this is if I'm wrong, show me, um, because clearly he knows it's a biblical argument, um, or else we wouldn't be discussing it. It wouldn't be a big deal if it's not a biblical argument, but it is. There are plenty of passages. So, so show me where I go wrong, but so whether... I'm him, or he's me, whatever belief you hold, if you're convinced and convicted of it with Scripture, be willing to explain that thoroughly when someone challenges you.
2: In in this little book, Will the Real Heretics Please Stand Up?, Uh, the author talks about baptism. And uh, he talks about in his childhood, when he he remembers in his childhood, when he first saw where the Scriptures say, Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 5, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And he was in a Bible class and the teacher, or in a Bible study group, and the teacher said, what does it mean to be born of water? And so the author, at that time a child, raised his hand, thought he knew the answer. He said, well, Jesus must have been referring to water baptism. And the teacher uh, corrected him and told him, oh, no, no, no. Uh, That's a common misperception. But it's not really about water baptism. And so then the author says, through the years as he grew up, he would correct others and tell them, oh, no, no, no. That's not really about water baptism. And then in adulthood, he got to studying, and he, he says, quote, It took the wind out of my sails when I discovered that the early Christians universally understood Jesus' words to refer to water baptism." And his point in the book is that the evangelicals who claim to be orthodox and claim that the Johnny-come-lately Mormons and Johnny-come-lately Jehovah's Witnesses have strayed from the historic orthodoxy of Christianity. The author here is saying, oh, no, actually, we evangelicals are the ones who have strayed from the orthodoxy of Christianity. Now, what we need to do is not just go back to the early Christians of the second century. We need to actually go back to the Word of God. And when we go back to the word of God, we see John chapter 3 and verse 5, except a man be born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And we see the context there where it's talking about John's baptism and Jesus baptizing people through his disciples and so on.
1: Uh, I just want to add that we're we're not beating up on evangelicals. We're trying to go and look at the scriptures using reasoning. If anyone in the audience does have that uh, faith and that belief, that baptism is not necessary. Well, we're inviting you, as as Chase said, help us if we're wrong, we need to understand the truth. But let's continue. Yeah.
2: And and that's right. We're not beating up on evangelicals, but I do want to get the attention of evangelicals. I mean that. If you are an evangelical and you're sitting there and kind of you're kind of um, finding this hard to listen to, wait, no, we we are willing to hear the word of God, we study the Bible, then all right. Send us a comment and, and talk to us about John chapter 3, verse 5. Send us a comment about baptism for the remission of sins, and let's talk about what the Bible actually says.
1: Oh, Jeff, may I add, if someone wanted to use the phone, their audio, they can also come in on audio. Would
2: you open up yes, the Yes, and you can make that happen for us, Drew. I don't know how to do that, but yeah, you can we make
1: could, it we, we would make that happen. If someone wanted to call in using the computer audio that you're listening to now live, you can use the audio and we'll have a discussion
0: online. Yeah. Well, I, I would like to also place ourselves in this story and in this text as well. Right. Um, no matter how, how learned you are and how convinced you are, there's always the possibility you can be wrong. And if we ever get to the point where we think we have it all figured out and that we are all right about every single issue We need to take heed. Um, We should always be in a state where we're willing to learn and listen. Um, And uh, we'll have more to say about that in just a minute. But, guys, do you all have any other thoughts or comments you wanted to bring up on this text before we move forward? We've got several to get to, so go ahead. All right, well, let's go back a couple chapters, if we will. Turn your Bibles back to Acts chapter 17, uh, if you're following along in your Bible. We're going to be reading, starting in verse 10, and this is when Paul is getting to Berea. Um, In verse 10, it says, The brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. And therefore, many of them believed, along with a number of prominent Greek men and women, uh, and, guys, does anyone want to remind the audience what happened to Thessalonica?
2: Well, there was a near riot. I mean, they went looking for Paul and his company, and they ended up jag- dragging Jason and certain other brethren before the rulers of the city.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's just a good reminder for when Luke, or excuse me, the writer of Acts says that these, these guys were more noble minded. You know, they were more willing to be uh open to what Paul had to say. And the question is, well, what what made them noble-minded? And I believe the text tells us they received the word with great eagerness. Let's break that down. What does that mean?
2: Well, they, they're eager to hear the word of God. They're eager to hear the truth. I, I would make this observation. When it says uh, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica. It's not just talking about Bereans in general compared to Thessalonians in general. It's talking about the Jews, particularly in Berea, compared to the Jews in Thessalonica. And so here's the observation I would make. Again, we're talking about Jews, people who have for centuries considered themselves God's chosen people, had been chosen by God to, to be the ones through whom the, the Christ would come into the world to be the ones who would bring, be a light to the Gentiles. But with that in mind, their mentality is uh, tends to be, hey, we've had the truth for hundreds of years. And with that mentality, it's easy to think that I can't be wrong about anything. And in Thessalonica, they were not willing to listen to the truth. But in Berea... When somebody came along and said that Jesus is the Christ, and that's in accordance with the scriptures that, that they already had, they were willing to examine the scriptures daily to see, okay, is that what these scriptures say?
1: I like yes. that because that, that, that implies that they weren't just going to accept it on blind faith, that that's Paul saying it, therefore it's so. They wanted to compare it to what the scriptures actually said. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and what I find fascinating about that, of course, when it says the scriptures, it's not referring to the New Testament. Um, no, it is referring to the Old Testament. And so Paul, like we've seen in other times, reasoning that Jesus is the Christ, maybe with a passage like Isaiah fifty three. I don't know, but they are reasoning from the Old Testament <clears throat> to see that Jesus is the Messiah, and that is powerful. And it's also this idea of them being eager to hear is a little bit different. I had never thought about the contrast between the Bereans and then those at Athens in the next section. Uh, Of course, they just wanted to listen because it's something new. Um, It's it's new to their ears, whereas the others, they seem to be more wanting Scripture and and learning the the way of God more accurately. Um, And so we need as well to make that application. When somebody says something, challenge it. It's not a bad thing. It's not rude. Um, and if anyone's offended that you're wanting to go to scripture to back up what they say, um, that's on them. That that's not on you. You should never be afraid to do such a thing. Any any other comments on the section, guys?
2: Mm-hmm. <clears throat>
0: Okay, well, um, I have another one I can go to, but it, do you all have one you would like to go to, to to discuss or talk about?
2: Well, just by way of contrast, while we're here in the book of Acts, um, to a negative example, uh, in Acts chapter 22, we have Paul having been arrested when he was accused of having taken a Gentile into the temple. They were going to, the Jews molested They were going to beat him right there. And then Claudius Lysias, the Roman um, a captain or Roman soldier comes down, and and with his men, he takes Paul into custody. And then Paul has opportunity to speak from the steps of the barracks uh, where the Romans had their headquarters there. And he speaks to the Jewish audience, and he starts out saying, you know, I'm a, I'm a Jew like you. I'm a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia but brought up in this city, meaning Jerusalem, and they listened to him. And he even goes so far as to talk about when Jesus appeared to him. And they listen to that. It, and it gets down to verse 21. And he tells about when Jesus said, uh, Depart, for I will send you forth far hence unto the Gentiles. So Paul now tells the part where Jesus says to Paul, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. And verse 22 says, They gave him audience unto this word, and they lifted up their voice and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth for it is not fit that he should live. They had a predisposition that said the Gentiles have no part in this. And and they were willing to listen until he said something about the Gentiles having a part in this. And they just shut the door, which is interesting because throughout their scriptures in the Old Testament, you go back to Isaiah uh, chapter 2 and, and throughout the book of Isaiah, and it talks about the nation streaming to the mountain of the house of the Lord. It talks about Israel being a light to the Gentiles. And, uh, but they weren't having that. They had their mind made up on that. And so they were not willing to listen to the truth with all readiness of mind or eagerness, as your translation said, Chase.
0: Yeah, um, it's amazing to me. And and I've, I've also had situations where I've been teaching somebody or, or in a Bible study, And it seems like it gets to a certain point where that's just the end. You know, you've touched on a subject that they just don't want any part of. Right. Um, And in reverse, we need to ask ourselves, what subject are we off balance on? Right. Or what subject are we not fully aware of that when someone talks about it, we just don't want to talk about it at all because of our own insecurities. Mm -hmm. Um, And whatever that is, we need to fix that. (laughs) We need to get to the point where we're comfortable talking about any Bible topic Within reason, uh, I do think there's a certain degree to which we start talking about the things that, that are just not relevant um, to us today, or, or things that are, have no fruit to them. Um, but but the way to your matter of scriptures, we should be well prepared and well studied on. And uh, when someone challenges our belief on something, be willing to reason through that with someone.
2: Well, even if we say there's no, I think you said the expression you used was there's no fruit to them. There, we see no value. But right there, we might say, you know what, if I don't see a value to it, it may be that I don't understand the passage. Maybe I need to listen and consider what somebody uh, is telling me about this context. And maybe I need to see if there is some fruit to that, some value to that that I hadn't recognized before.
0: Sure. Um, Any other thoughts or comments, guys, here in Acts 22? Well, while we're in Acts, let's go back over to Acts chapter 7. Um, let's look at another negative example of, of someone and, and a, well, really a group of people who did not like hearing the truth and did not like hearing the Word of God proclaimed. Uh, guys, would anyone like to just hit some of the highlights of chapter 7 and Stephen's
2: lesson to the Jews? Well, I think it's important to kind of notice the theme throughout the, the message. Stephen calls attention to Joseph and his brothers down in Acts chapter 7, and he refers to the brothers of Joseph as the patriarchs, because they're the fathers of the 12 tribes of Israel. And it says in verse 9, the patriarchs moved with jealousy against Joseph, sold him into Egypt, and God was with him. So here's this man, Joseph. God's with him, but his brothers oppose him. And that's the theme that Stephen develops. You come down to the time of Moses and Moses is trying to help out his uh, fellow Israelites, and uh, they thrust him away in verse 27. Uh, he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away. Moses had tried to intervene but in a squabble between two Israelites, and one of them thrust Moses away and said, who made you a ruler and a judge over us? And then a little bit later on, it'll come back to this same theme, Verse 35, this Moses whom they refused saying, who made you a ruler and a judge? Him has God sent to be both a ruler and a deliverer with the hand of an angel that appeared to him in the bush. So again, <coughs> here's God's messenger, Moses, and here are the Israelites opposing God's messenger, just as in the days of Joseph. The brothers of Joseph opposed Joseph, although God was with him. That's the thing that Stephen develops repeatedly in this lesson. And then he brings it home to his own day in verse 51. I'll let you pick it up there.
0: Sure, yeah. So um, when we get to verse 51, uh, Stephen, he really turns up the heat even more. And he says, you men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in hearts and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. And as Jeff just pointed out for us, of course, that's the theme of Stephen's whole lesson is this has been a problem throughout all of Israel's history. And they're guilty of the same exact thing that their fathers are. Uh, he says, which, which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And he goes on to tell them that they're in the wrong. Um, and they even
2: reject the the righteous one. The ultimate messenger of God, you know, Joseph... Um, God was with him. Moses, God was with him. Moses was a messenger from God. But here, the one that the people in Stephen's day rejected is the ultimate messenger from God. Right. And they rejected him. And, you know, I understand in the Jews' case, that's a hard
0: pill to swallow. Uh, That would be a hard thing to hear. In verse 54, when they heard this, they were cut to the quick, and they began gnashing
2: their teeth at him. Guys, have you all ever been so angry at someone you gnash your teeth? I, I'm not even sure exactly what gnashing the teeth means unless it's something like, ah!
0: Yeah, and that's, that's often, Jeff, exactly what comes to my mind whenever I read this. But I've, I've never been that angry at, at someone, I don't think at least. Well, it says, Stephen, he's full of the Holy Spirit, and he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right head of God. Verse 57, they cried out with a loud voice, they covered their ears, and they rushed at him with one impulse. That was their response to the truth. Now, I do want to zero in on this covering their ears. Mm -hmm. Because this is a form of anger that, that I think precedes a, a lot of what we consider angry. This is to the point, they don't even want to hear this guy anymore. And it almost to me is like children, some, something that children would do. You know, ah, oh, no, 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 I can't hear you. And they rush after him. And uh, I can't say I've ever seen that happen in any of my sermons before. Maybe I just haven't seen it happen before. But, I mean, this is a real big problem. They don't even want to listen anymore, so they plug up their ears. And, and I'm afraid, um, and I'm not, I'm not singling anyone out. I think we all know who we are. We sometimes do that in a different way. We, we see only what we want to see, and we have the blinders on, or the or the ear stoppers in, so that nothing new can come in, or or nothing that challenges our way of thinking can come in. That's a problem. We should always want to learn the word of God more accurately. And we need to, we need to get the peanut butter out of our ears. We need to take the goggles off and we need to start looking for the truth. Um, And guys, how are we going to find the truth? Reading the word of God. With an an open open, heart, with an open mind, the way the Bereans did. Exactly. Exactly. And so uh, I know this might seem like an extreme example to us, but I'm afraid we're all too often guilty of the same thing with these guys here are doing thoughts or comments on on this
2: Uh, remember our viewers feel free to send us your comments and questions drew's keeping an eye on the facebook page and you can send our your comments by means of the bible q a uh icon there in the bible app uh, bible quest app. i can't say that right
0: (laughs) all right um i do want for a couple minutes at least turn over to second timothy chapter 4 um, th- this is by no means a uh, an example of somebody that's rejecting the gospel, but it is a warning that Paul gives to Timothy and really gives to all of us today as well. Um, will one of you read 2 Timothy 4, and uh, let's make sure we're getting the right amount of context in. Uh, just, just start in verse 3 and read to verse 4.
1: Okay, I got it. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teacher to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into
0: myths. Sure. Um, Drew, what translation are you reading from? Uh, ESV, uh, the English uh, Standard Version. Okay, so I'm, I'm reading from the New American Standard, and it's always cracked me up because it translates it, people wanting to have their ears tickled. Uh, but but I do think itching ears, I think, is a little bit better. You know, they're wanting to scratch that. They're, they're wanting to satisfy that thing that's right there that, that they want and that they need. But Paul warns Timothy, and he's really warning us today, we need to be careful. Um, there will be people, there will be teachers who just, they just want to please men. They just want to satisfy that, that scratch that someone has in their ear, um, according to their own desires. Guys, our will should be the Father's will. Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. And that's a great example for us in regard to truth. We want God's will, not our own desire.
2: And I I think the the passage in John chapter 7, verse 17 is interesting. If any man wills to do his will, uh, I have to make up my mind that I'm going to do the will of God. I have to choose to do God's will rather than what I just myself would choose.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And this this warning that they're gonna turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. We see that today. How how many times do we see someone, even even brothers, brother what we would call brethren in Christ, turning away from the truth and turning aside to myths or turning aside to things that satisfy that scratch in their ear? It is all too often um and it's very sad to see. But we need to be aware of these things. Uh, I think we need to take this warning that Paul gives us seriously. And uh, as Jeff said earlier, we need to come to the Word of God with open hearts like the Bereans did and being willing to reason from them and ultimately make application from it. Uh, And I think this would be a good place as well because if if you're listening, and maybe if you are an evangelical who, who is feeling like they've been missing out on truth and that you've been missing out On what really the text says, and and you want to know well what can I do to get back on the right track? I want you to turn your Bible to James chapter one. James chapter one. uh, There was a preacher I heard once read this text, and he did a lesson titled um, "How to Receive a Sermon: How to Listen to a Sermon." I really like that idea. James chapter one, verse nineteen. This you know, my beloved brethren. But everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. So there's step one and two in verse 21 at least. Number one, you put aside your filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. If we want to approach the word of God for a correction and and for moving forward, we first need to set aside what makes us filthy. We need to cleanse ourselves. We secondly, in verse 21, have to humble ourselves to receive that word that's implanted that's able to save our souls. And that comes back to the idea of being noble-minded and and even uh, being willing and eager to come to the word of God. We come to it with humility. We don't come up with our preconceived ideas and notions, but we come to it with with humility. So sit on that. What does humility mean?
2: What does humility mean? Well, let's let's think in terms of a passage where Jesus' humility is described. In Philippians, the second chapter, um, he humbled himself, becoming obedient even unto death, yea, the death of the cross. Humility is certainly not its certainly the opposite of being proud and arrogant and all of that, but specifically, the application is that I am willing to yield to another, and that here in, that means yielding to the word of God, uh, setting aside my own preconceived ideas. Now I said that because of the point you were making, and I forgot the point you were making, um, But you used that idea of humility. I thought it'd be good if we could bring out the meaning of humility there. Uh, do you remember what you were saying uh i think
0: I think I was just making the point when we approach the Word of God, if we're, we're filthy, we need to get clean, then we need to come to it with humility as well so i i can't quite remember exactly where I well, was let going. me
2: Let me throw this out then if, since i've already since i 've already made the train jump the tracks there <laughs> no you're uh, fine, go ahead you know there there is uh th- there is a kind of a tension between two ideas one is i 'm willing to listen to the truth. I'm willing to listen to something that I don't know is the truth and consider it when I think I've got the truth, and I'm willing to have what I believe be challenged if it's coming from the Word of God. That's one thing. On the other hand, we have this. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and verses 1 and 2, Paul says, We beseech you, brethren, touching the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together unto him, to the end that you be not quickly shaken from your mind, nor yet be troubled, either by spirit or by word or by epistle as from us, as that the day of the Lord is just at hand. Paul is writing to some Christians who were easily shaken from the things they should have been holding on to and getting carried away with the latest idea about, well, maybe Jesus is coming next week, that kind of thing. I don't want to be the kind of tossed about with the wind, uh, disciple, so that any idea that comes down the pike, I go chasing it. But at the same time, I do want to be the kind of person who is willing to be challenged by the Word of God. Another passage along these lines, Ephesians chapter um, 4, where he says in verse 14, The goal of the gifts that the Lord provided, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, was in part that we be no longer children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men in craftiness after the wiles of error. So maybe we'll take just a couple minutes to talk about the difference between being willing to listen and consider something I haven't considered before, or even just consider it because it's, it's a viewpoint somebody's expressing and I'm trying to have a conversation with them. On the other hand, there is the idea of uh, not being quickly shaken from the truth.
0: Sure. Um, or is your, did you complete
2: your thought? I'm sorry. Okay. I uh, did. I just started coughing. I had to hit the microphone button.
0: No, you're fine. Um, no, I, I really appreciate you bringing up that Ephesians 4 passage. Uh, it just reminded me, God does not want us. To be completely lost and always confused as to what His will for us is, and I think that needs to be noted um, as we're wrapping up this afternoon. We can know the Word of God more accurately. We just need to have a willingness to do so and a willingness to come to it. Um, and so, Jeff, I think you asked a question. Did I miss it? I apologize. Well,
2: just talking about you know that that difference between being willing to listen to the to to something that somebody's saying and yet not being quickly shaken from what I know is truth. I may think I know something's true, and it's not. And I need to be willing to, to have my, my convictions challenged. But I also, if I do believe what I have is truth, if I found it in the Word of God, or at least think I have, I shouldn't be the kind of person who just kind of willy-nilly, every time somebody says something different, I bounce from this to that, and I go, oh, well then, and then I bounce from that to this. I need to be somebody who can be anchored by the Word of God.
0: Right. Um, and I, I think that comes back to, to what you were saying in Ephesians 4. God's plan for us and, and the gift that's mentioned in Ephesians 4 for the for the um, evangelists and the pastors and the teachers is so that they can teach to the knowledge of the Son of God so that we can be anchored in our faith and in our understanding of Scripture. And it is such a blessing uh, to be able to to say we're confident. You know, we are confident in the Word of God.
2: So let's go back to the story you told at the the beginning of the webcast today. So you're in a Panera Bread, and the guy comes in. You strike up a conversation. Um, He thinks that uh, you sound like somebody with whom he might have something in common. He asks if you're a Christian, and you say you are. And uh, up to this point, everything is going uh, well until he finds out that you believe baptism is for the remission of sins, that baptism is necessary at that point. He waves his hand at you and kind of walks off, apparently, in disgust. He's no longer willing to talk with you. Uh, Okay, very clearly, he's not somebody who's easily shaken from what he believes. Fine. But he could have been somebody who's willing to have a conversation with you to have his own conviction challenged and to help you learn better if he's right and you're wrong. But he wasn't. He just wanted to say, I know what I believe. I don't want to talk to somebody who believes something different.
0: Right. And so the lesson for us, and, and you know, I, I I didn't want to come off at all that to beat up on this guy. Um, and, and if you're listening and you're a Christian, I, I would ask you to pray for this man. Um, I'm, I, I know his name, and the Lord will know who he is. But we should all pray for that willingness to always learn the truth. And, and God will send us somebody or someone that will help us understand the truth more accurately. Uh, and ultimately come to scripture, study your Bible, pray to the Lord that he helps you get the wisdom that he wants you to have in your life. Um, and too oftentimes uh, we, we don't turn to God and, and pray for that wisdom that he can give us. Um, but that's certainly something we should be focusing on
2: guys. Do you all have any other questions
0: or comments? We've got a couple minutes left here.
2: The one thought that, 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 I would bring up is this. It is amazing to me how often in the Bible, people were quickly willing to accept the Word of God, something completely different than they'd ever heard or known before. You think about the Philippian jailer, the same hour of the night, uh, he's baptized. You think about the the 3,000 on the day of Pentecost, Jews who've come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Pentecost feast, and they hear something that, Apparently, they did not previously believe that this Jesus, whom they crucified seven weeks earlier, was indeed the Christ. Cut to the heart, they said, "What do we do?" And they were ready to do it. Three thousand of them were, and that—that—that's an impressive thing to me. To quickly see, I'm wrong, and being, being willing to accept that and act. Sure. And uh,
0: for any of you who are listening. Um, if you believe you need to make a change in your life in some way or another, if that is baptism, we would ask you to reach out to us or ask us more questions, um, either on the Facebook page or send us a message through Bible quest. Um, guys, that's all the time today. I appreciate you all. Uh, and I appreciate all the listeners. We hope everyone has happy holidays. And, uh, will we have one next Wednesday? I guess we haven't talked about that yet.
2: Uh, uh, I don't know. Um, let's, we'll put we'll post an announcement right. on facebook to that about that all right sounds good all right thanks guys take care okay bye 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 bye